the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What has the result been since the overturning of Roe versus Wade? And then, should there be an age limit on those running for president? You're listening to The Common Good. Hey friends, welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, so glad to have you with us on a Monday afternoon. Normally joined by Aubrey Sampson, but Aubrey is a little bit under the weather today. She will hopefully be back with us again tomorrow. I should let you know tomorrow and Wednesday, very exciting shows here on The Common Good. We're going to be joined by our friends all day long from Food for the Poor, Paul Jacobs, Anitra, the others. Um, That is such an awesome organization. Food for the Poor, uh, they they turn money into food, essentially, and they, they were providing food and resources to desperately needed areas around the world, the Caribbean, uh, Latin America, other places. And so we as a station, as a um, as a show, we begin, we have the opportunity to hear their stories, hear what God is doing in and through them, hear the op- hear um, what the need is. And then we meet that need. Uh, with the opportunity to give money and to give resources so that they can feed more people. They can how you know provide food, much needed food and education for uh, children and families in these hard, hard hit areas. It's always humbling to hear these stories. And so I'd, I'd encourage you to join us. Those are going to be the next two days uh, here on The Common Good. And you'll hear a lot about Food for the Poor across the station over the month of December. So we're excited for that. That'll be tomorrow. Hopefully, as I said, again, Aubrey will be able to join us again. We'll write off of Thanksgiving. Hope that Thanksgiving went well for you. And uh, you're looking forward to a good Christmas season. Abortion. We talk about abortion a lot on this show. It's a issue that we feel very strongly about. And a lot happened this year in the abortion world, if you will, particularly and in the year before with the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And uh, you're going to hear a lot about abortion as a political um, issue. And many people think that that's going to actually lead to more Democrats being uh, elected. We'll see. Probably depends on the area of the country. But You better know that leading into the next presidential election next year and those running for Congress and whatever else, this is is going to be one of the main issues. It's going to be uh, one uh, one of the big one. But the question is, beyond politics, beyond all the kind of the grandstanding and whatever else it might be, what if any difference has been made? What if any uh, difference has been made, particularly since the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade in June of 2022. Has it made a difference? Well, a new study came out conducted by the Institute of Labor Economics that looked at the effects of the U.S. Supreme Court in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Uh, 
which returned the issue of abortion to the states. And here's what it found out. Uh, since the overturning of Roe versus Wade in June of 2022, at least 30,000 babies have been born that would have otherwise been aborted. The 32,000 babies were born in states that enacted some form of abortion restriction, according to the study that was done. It says our primary analysis indicates that in the first six months of 2023, births rose by an average of 2.3 percent in states enforcing total abortion bans compared to a control group of states where abortion rights remained protected, amounting to approximately 32,000 additional annual births. Uh, resulting from the abortion bans, according to the study. The trio of researchers who conducted the study said the shift represented, quote, the most profound transformation of the landscape of U.S. abortion access in 50 years, based on preliminary birth data from the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention. As of November 1st, 14 states are enforcing bans on abortion in nearly all circumstances, and 23% of U.S. women of reproductive age have experienced an increase in driving distance to the nearest abortion facility from an average of 43 miles one way before Dobbs' case to 330 miles at present. Uh, but Kristen Hawkins, the president of Students for Life of America, uh, told uh, the New York Times that the research indicated a, quote, triumph that pro-life policies result in lives saved. The insinuation of a lot of coverage of such data points is that it's a bad thing for there to be more children welcoming in states with a better laws than in states than in states that fast track abortion. But she said this is a good thing. Now, obviously, not everybody sees uh, this as a good thing. But here's what I would like to say. Like. Regardless of the politics, regardless of what it means for elections, regardless of any of this. We who consider ourselves pro-life, and we like to say that we are pro-life from womb to tomb, we want all of our policies to be pro-life, to be looked at through those lenses, whether it be abortion or poverty or immigration or the death penalty or whatever else it might be. We don't want to pick and choose. We want to go, no, no, we're pro-life. That to see more babies born and less of them aborted is a reason for celebration. It's reason for celebration. The study said in 2020, um, uh, the, the study said in 2020, approximately one in five pregnancies ended in abortion. At the time they seek abortion, 75% of patients are low income, 59% have previously given birth, and 55% report a recent disruptive life event, such as falling behind rent or losing the, uh, of their job. So therefore, we're reminded, we are reminded that one thing that needs to happen um, is that we need to have uh, policies in place that help with poverty that help with that help moms choose to have the babies and dads, but in, usually the moms that help support people to have life. We know that poverty is the driving force primarily of abortion. Sometimes it's elective, sometimes it's whatever, but primarily it's an economic issue that we should care about. So the church must be about, uh, eradicating poverty as much as possible if we want to see abortion rates go down. 
we need to be about the foster care system and adoption and all of these things. But there also need to be laws. And we could celebrate here, at least from this study, that the overturn the overturning and the changing of laws has resulted in life. It's resulted in babies being born. It's resulted in less death. That's to be celebrated. We could pick apart. We could do no. Let's celebrate. Let's continue to push these things forward. Let's continue to do the things we could do apart from the law. But let's also uh let's also advocate for laws to be changed so that babies get a chance, so that the most vulnerable uh, get a chance at life. Support your local crisis pregnancy center. Encourage your church to do so. Get in the battle. Get in the discussion. We see that it's making a difference, and we want to continue seeing it make a difference. Well, uh, we are glad that you're with us. Coming up next, uh, should there be an age restriction on who can run for president? That is a huge discussion right now with two old guys about to go at it for president. What do we think about that? Coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. In about 15 minutes or so, we're going to get a chance to talk to uh, the co-authors of just what I find, you know, this might be niche. So maybe I find this more fascinating than you do. But they wrote a book called Mixtape Theology that is a devotional completely centered around 90s Christian music and 90s Christian like um, culture. The WWJD bracelet, the true love weights, uh, that kind of stuff. But then also. I mean, we had Stephen Curtis Chapman on last week or two weeks ago. He plays prominently in this book. Michael W. Smith and uh, Third Day and others. And uh, gosh, this is just kind of what I grew up on. And so I'm excited to talk to the authors of this book, Ashley Mofield and Rachel Cash. They're going to join us here in a little bit. It's devotion, but it's not just your run-of-the-mill devotion. It is centered on 90s Christian culture. 90s Christian music. So uh, stick around as we talk to them. But I want to talk a little bit politics with the election coming up a little bit less than a year away now. Uh, I saw this uh, Fox News correspondent named Lucas Tomlinson wrote this. While shopping in Nantucket, President Biden was asked by a reporter before moving on to what he was asked and what he answered. People later ripped this guy because he was the reporter. So he didn't say President Biden was asked by me or I asked President Biden. Nobody quite knows why he wrote this. Uh, you know, readers adding context on Twitter. It says this post last lacks context. The reporter that asked the question is this reporter. So not sure why he did that, but I want to get to what he asked. He said, uh, while shopping in Nantucket, President Biden was asked by a reporter if he is too old to run for reelection. That's stupid, President Biden replied. So he kind of went up to him while he's shopping. But I guess, you know, nothing's off limit with the president, I suppose. Uh, went up to him and asked him, uh, are you too old to run for reelection? And he said, that's stupid. So let's get past how he went about asking the question. Let's get past that he didn't say I'm the reporter. Let's get to the question itself. 
And then the answer that President Biden said, that's stupid. Well, obviously, President Biden's going to answer stupid. But I think it's a legitimate question right now to be asking. Should men in their late 70s, early 80s be running for president? Is that the best we could do? So I guess there's a should they as in like, is it okay for them to? And then should they as in, is it the best idea for the country? So should they be allowed? Obviously, there's not a in anywhere in our constitution, there's an age floor, right? You got to be 35 in order to run for president, but there's no ceiling. It doesn't say, and you have to be under 75 or whatever else it might be. We have a habit of, uh, of electing old people. Uh, you could go back to Ronald Reagan was older. Uh, George H.W. Bush was older. Uh, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, like we, this is a thing that we do. But it, obviously, it's okay. They can, right? It's if if the question is, can Biden or Trump be president despite being the age they are? Uh, the answer is yes, they can. The real question is, uh, is it a good idea? Um, should they be president? Uh, Donald Trump currently is 77 years old. He will be 78 at the time of next year's election. Uh, and Joe Biden uh, is currently 81 years old and he just turned 81 and he will turn 82 shortly after next year's election. So at time of election, Donald Trump will be 78 and Joe Biden will be 81. Whichever way you cut it, they are both old. And I know their backers like to say, oh, he's very active. He's this. Biden, you know, exercises. Trump is kind of making deals, whatever else it might be. Uh, okay, I understand that. But we've we've watched both of them, particularly President Biden, seem to have some cognitive issues that would be natural for somebody who's 81. We've seen recently on the campaign trail, pres former President Trump lose his place, seem to get confused, which would be normal for somebody who's 77 going on 78. And makes me go, can they be president? Yes. Should they? I'm increasingly believing that the answer to that is no. And I'm trying to get my mind around, how is it that the United States of America is I would like to believe the leading superpower in the world and all of these millions upon millions of people here. And the best we can do is an 81 year old and somebody else who's going to be 78 at the time of election of the election. I, I wish both of them would step away if I'm going to lay my cards on the table and that the Republicans and the Democrats would both nominate somebody younger um, with greater energy, uh, sharper cognitively, whatever else it might be. I understand these guys get surrounded by um, advisors and all of this stuff, but I just think it's a weird look. So can they? Yes. Should they? No. And are they going to? Absolutely. Neither of them are still barring a health crisis, barring some sort of uprising within their own parties, which I don't foresee happening. This is these are going to be the two guys, which leads me back to where we were before. 
what does it say about us as a country and our political apparatus that we're about to have a election, an election contended between contested between an 81 year old and a soon to be 78 year old. And that uh, the, the, the age of our people in Congress um, seems to be going up and up and up. I mean, have you seen some of our Congress people? Um, it's just craziness. And so uh, what does it say about us right now? The average age of Congress uh, is only 58, only, only 58. But it just seems like it's getting older, especially the senators uh, are getting older and older, right? Um, 86, I'm looking at this list. Another one, 90. It's craziness. I don't know what's ever going to change. Like, I, There's nothing we can do necessarily to change this other than to say, let's just do better. But yeah, hey, this is what we have. One of the single most consequential elections of our memory and it's going to be between a 78-year-old and an 81-year-old. So uh, Biden's right to tell the guy that's stupid. Of course I can run. Of course I can. Well, what else is he going to say? But, man, I am i can't tell you that if I'm, I'm not excited about it. Let's put it that way. And I think a lot of people, my generation and the generation behind me, are feeling that way. And it will be uh, – those debates are going to be interesting. They're going to be watched closely for just how they can think on their feet because I think it's going to be a real issue. There's your political commentary for the day. Something that's been on my mind because I was talking to my daughter about it in the car yesterday. Just it was interesting to hear her take of like, how are we having these old guys who are what we're running? But it is what it is. Uh, hopefully, my co host, Aubrey Sampson, will be well enough to join me again tomorrow. But today, it's been a good time just to be here with you. If you've missed any of the show, including the time, we just spent with uh, Ashley Mofield and Rachel Cash, they being the co-authors of a new devotional called Mixtape Theology, a, uh, a devotional all about, all centered on 90 CCM music and culture, like right in my wheelhouse. That's when I was in middle school and high school and college. And uh, now they wrote a devotional about it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I'd encourage you, if you missed that interview, go back and get the podcast. Wherever it is, you get your podcast. Just subscribe, rate, review. You can also find us online at 1160hope.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Common Good Talk. All right. Thanksgiving is now in the rearview mirror. I celebrated a couple days ago, which means we're now on the move to Christmas. Many of your churches are probably starting Advent series. I know at our church here, uh, just today, it was getting decorated for Christmas. You've probably put up your own Christmas tree. If not yet, then probably soon. Lights on the outside of the house. Christmas gifts being talked about and purchased. Christmas season is upon us. And so here's the question. And this is the age-old question that I think we wrestle with every Christmas season. This time of year, every time. And it's this. How do you remember the, quote, reason for the season, right? The reason for Christmas amongst all the craziness of Christmas. Uh, to put it another way, how do, we, um, how do we focus on what's most important about the Christmas season? And I would say those are two things. First, it's, again, to use the overused phrase, it's the reason for the season. 
What is that reason? It's that Jesus Christ was sent into the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever now believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. That Jesus has become incarnate. He has come into the world, born of the Virgin Mary, in a little town of Bethlehem. And that the coming of Jesus changed everything. It is the dividing line of history. It is the inauguration of the Savior. The Savior is born, Christ the Lord. And we celebrate that. That's what Christmas is all about. And then secondarily, I would suggest Christmas is about family. It's about uh, being with those that you love. It's about celebrating with those that you love. It's about slowing down and connecting with those that you love. But as we know, it gets hectic. Got to buy the gifts. Got to have the end of the year parties. Got to decorate the tree. Got to make the plans. And all of a sudden, what happens is you run and you run and you run and you run. And then you get to December 26 and you go, whoa, what just happened? And then that week between Christmas and New Year's, hopefully you get a little break and then you get into the new year. Friends, I would suggest it doesn't need to be that way. In fact, it shouldn't be that way, but it's going to take some intentionality. So here's the question. What are you going to intentionally do this Christmas season to not just fly through it? A couple different options, right? One, uh, do an Advent calendar. Do an Advent devotional. Something to remind you, something that spurs you on, something that focuses you every day. Maybe it's listen to Christmas music. Music gets something going in our souls. So maybe it's listening to Christmas music. Maybe it's reading the Christmas story, either alone or as a family. Hey, this year we're going to read through the Christmas story and we're going to remember what it is. Um, There's all sorts of different things you can be doing. Here's another one. Go to church every Sunday during the Christmas season. Sing the carols with your your church community. Hear the Christmas story. Be pointed, be prepared for Christmas. Keeping your eyes focused on Jesus. Don't allow yourself to become hurried. Don't allow yourself to become hectic and crazy. It doesn't need to be that way. But when we just allow life to happen, it gets that way. Don't allow it to be that way this year. Take control of your Christmas season. And then from there, you can rest, connect with your Savior, be reminded of what matters. Folks, when is the last time you've just sat down and gone, okay, I'm going to reflect upon the coming of Jesus, what it means for my life, what it means for the world, what it means, just how everything changed. I'm going to open up my Bible and I'm going to read out of the book of Luke or one of the gospels. And I'm going to read about the coming of Jesus and, uh, you know, Herod and uh, Mary and Joseph and the angels and Zechariah. I'm going to read the story again. I'm going to understand it again. I'm going to read it as if I have never read it before. I'm going to uh, 
sit in it and I'm going to think about it. I'm going to journal on it. I'm going to pray over it. What what would difference would that make? And then do stuff as a family. If you've got kids in the house and you're married, be intentional with your kids. Be intentional with your spouse. Make this a family Christmas. Like I'm a pastor and Christmas season can get pretty hectic. But instead, don't allow it to be. Don't be rushed. Don't be hurried. Enjoy it. Watch the old Christmas movies. Sing the old Christmas carols. Do an advent calendar. Read a Christmas devotion. Whatever else it might be. Christmas can be the most meaningful season of the year, but it can also be the most stressful, anxiety-inducing sprint to the new year. And it, if, it, if it's that, if you're tired, and I mean like that weariness at the end of the Christmas season, then you've done it wrong. But that's a decision made now. I'm not going to let that happen. I will not let that happen. And here's how I'm going to do it. So what's it for you? How are you going to intentionally spend your Christmas season so that you do not get to New Year's just going, oh, I'm so glad that's over. Let's not get to the end of Christmas going, I'm so glad that's over because then we've missed it. Let's instead remember that Jesus is, in fact, as the old saying goes, the reason for the season. Let's let it spur us to worship, spur us to awe, spur us to thankfulness. And be drawn to our family as we worship and celebrate together. It's Christmas season. This is, uh, as the song says, the most wonderful time of the year. And I really genuinely hope that it is for you. We'll talk a lot of Christmas over the coming weeks uh, as Aubrey and I are together. Well, glad that you joined us today. Come back again tomorrow. Hopefully, Aubrey will be here. But we will definitely be joined by our friends from Food for the Poor uh, as we talk about on Giving Tuesday. On a great day to give and to support a wonderful ministry, we're going to be spending all day with our friends from Food for the Poor. So we hope that you join us tomorrow from 4 until 6. Until then, we hope that you have yourself a great night. My name is Brian Fromm. Have a great night. You've been listening to The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.